Hello, everyone. Just wanted to give a quick introduction. This week, we're not releasing a traditional episode. We are actually going to release our first bonus episode for you guys. Um, we just decided to take a week off after the the celebrations that we had for episode 10. We were just totally out of it. We needed some time to re- recover from all the crazy partying we did uh, last week. So, we're uh, going to be releasing some bonus content that we recorded uh, all the way back from episode two. We did uh, Wendigos on episode two. So um, I actually prepared two stories that week. Uh, we decided to include one in the main episode, and we kept the second one with the intent of releasing it sometime in the future at an undetermined date. So we hope you enjoy this first bonus episode from Beer and Fear about Wendigos. And we'll catch you next week with another main episode. Thanks. I'll tell them both, and if if it just takes up too much time, then we can maybe release one of the stories as a separate episode just on its own. But So this guy uh, is an author named uh, Algernon Blackwood. Oh my god, what a badass name. Right? Um, I have a picture of him. He looks as badass as his name is. He does look badass. Um, Little old man. And uh, he wrote this novella called The Wendigo. So Algernon Blackwood, he was born March 14th, 1869, and uh, died December 10th, 1951. He was an English broadcasting narrator, journalist, novelist, and short story writer. Um, I guess I, I put a fun fact in here. It's not really fun because it talks about death again. I don't know why all my fun facts talk about people dying. But he died from... Fun uh, fact, he's dead. <laughs> he died from uh, cerebral thrombosis. Casey wanted to know. Casey I did re- want to know. It's a blood clot. That's what that is. I knew what that was. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, he was among the most prolific ghost story writers in the history of the genre. Um, even though his novella was only about 100 pages, I didn't read it. Um, I think I just didn't have uh, enough time to, to do that. I had I had more than enough time to read the synopsis and come up with my own ideas and everything and talk about it, but I didn't have enough time to read Literally 100 pages of a book. Cause, no, it's um, okay. Because fuck you, that's why. Whoa, uh, so instead he's of, dead. I know, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Algernon. Uh, instead, I'll Blackwood. be reading information I pulled from a summary and an analysis by this guy named M. Grant Kellermeyer. Um, he did a great job summarizing this story, so I'm just going to steal the information from that. Um, I couldn't find a photo of Grant to show you. However, I stumbled okay. across his uh, deviant art. Because if you look Stop. up his... Stop. Yeah, it's DeviantArt. People still have those. That's a thing. Um, if you look up the story online, he's got actually some really good sketches uh, that he included in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, I think what he does is he, he covers really old uh, horror stories or you know things like that, or really old tales. And he actually sketches stories up based on those and puts them online, puts them on his DeviantArt. Um, you can check him out on DeviantArt at MG Kellermeyer, MG Keller, K-E-L-L-E-R, Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. You're so good with citing people. Check them out. Send, send them your love. Um, so traditionally in Algonquian lore, like you mentioned, the Windigo, this one's spelled W-I-N-D-I-G-O, um, cannibalistic spirit possesses subjects. We talked about that, eating human flesh. Um, this story, however, doesn't talk about, uh, Blackwood didn't include anything about cannibalism anywhere in his story. Um, instead, he explores a different, deeper, and darker threat that the Wendigo brings to its victims. Mm. Uh, this takes place in a forest between Manitoba and Ontario, Canada. 
It involves two hunting parties of uh, five people total. So we've got Scottish adventurer slash psychologist Dr. Cathcart, Scottish adventurer theology student nephew Simpson, Canadian guide and foul-mouthed outdoorsman Davis, French-Canadian guide with an obsession for nature Defago, <gasps> and an indigenous cook named Punk. Punk. Mm-hmm. They're having trouble finding moose to hunt for food, so the group decides to split up. This worries Defago. Okay, well, come on. Scooby-Doo. Right. Rule no- number one of Scooby-Doo. Who made the Fred decision? Never split up. Um, That's what they always do. What are you talking about? I, I think it was the foul-mouthed guy. The well, Scottish Davis dude. can suck it. Yeah. What, what a Fred. <laughs> um, so Defago gets worried, and Davis accuses Defago of being scared of a certain old fairy tale that, that has been around for a while. And Defago angrily denies this accusation. He said, I'm not scared. I ain't a pussy. Right. Later that evening, Punk decides to stay up late while the others sleep, and he notices strange familiar, uh, sorry, a strange unfamiliar odor in the air, but doesn't Ooh. tell anyone. Yeah, let's not share that. He just smells something. He's like, it's probably nothing. Uh, it's probably um, just moose poop. He makes breakfast the next morning, and everyone enjoys it because it's probably amazing. Um, Simpson and Defago go canoe down a lake, and Cathcart and Davis just go somewhere else. Um, they, they just all go plan- off. They just go, yeah, didn't really mention. Again, I didn't read this. Um, <laughs> they all plan to meet up after a few days. As Simpson and Defago canoe down the river lake, Simpson remarks how vastly beautiful Canada looks. However, he's struck with a tinge of horror as he's reminded of stories about travelers who get so overwhelmed with nature that they've run into the woods never to be seen again. Defago is less impressed, but he's, he's, he's more of a sensitive man than Simpson is. He's intuitive and quiet. Um, he can grow manic after being in civilization for, for too long, so he views nature as an escape from his frustrations. Uh, Defago and Simpson set up a camp on the shore. And now Defago can smell a strange scent in the air and begin staring, staring anxiously into a dark circle outside of their campfire. Ooh. Um, I was trying to figure out what that was. Oh, dark. Okay. It's not a literal dark circle. <laughs> it's the dark circle around like the trees, you know, like the forest. It's, you know, you, you, you pick up what I'm putting down, right? I pick up. He's not literally... It's not, it's not, there's not just a random dark circle in their campfire. It's the trees. The trees. He then confesses his worries regarding the fairy tale from earlier. This story involves a being called the Wendigo. It's described as a spiritual personification of nature, which is impossibly fast and massive. It's said that the Wendigo calls out to woodsmen and explorers who, enticed by its siren voice, are forced to run after it. So, Defago's freaking out. Simpson tries to comfort his friend, and then the two go to bed. Later in the evening, Simpson wakes up to the sound of Defago whimpering and sobbing in his sleep. Oh my god. Simpson goes to look and sees Defago's feet sticking out of his tent despite the brutal cold temperatures. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Get your ass back in the tent. There's no AC. He's got hot feet. Yeah, he's got hot feet. Um, Concerned but tired, Simpson falls back asleep. He is shortly awakened again by concerned, a sudden... Concerned, but tired. He's concerned, but he's not concerned enough to really yes. like go over and ask him what's up. He's pooped, he's, okay? He said, I'm very sleepy. Right. But he wakes up to the sound of Defago... Um, uh, bring oh, no, I didn't read that. Uh, he falls back asleep. He is shortly awakened again by a sudden rumble, which shakes his tent. He then hears an otherworldly massive booming voice calling out Defago's name slowly and repetitively. 
Uh, Defago gets up and rushes off into the wilderness without a word to Simpson. Simpson can no longer see his friend, but he can still hear his cries continuously repeating, My feet of fire, my burning feet of fire, this height and fiery speed. Terrified, Simpson stares, or I'm sorry, he starts after his friend. Now Simpson can smell the strange odor in the air. The smell reminds him of, of lion cages at the zoo, decaying leaves, and wet earth, described as pure nature personified. Ooh. Lion cages. You ever smell a lion cage? Can't say I have. Can't say I've walked up to a lion cage and thought the first thing I'm going to do is take a whiff. <laughs> uh, while trying to track down his friends, Simpson comes across massive round footprints in the snow. The footprints glow softly and emit the same smell. He then notices bare human footprints, which slowly start to resemble the larger round prints. Let me just comment here. He leaned down to sniff the footprints. He sniffed every one of them. He said... <laughs> Lion like lion cages. cages. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the two sets of footprints disappear completely, indicating the beings may have taken flight or completely disappeared. In the distance, Simpson once again hears the cries of his friend, My feet of fire, my burning feet of fire. Simpson rushes back to the camp, and when his uncle, Cathcart, and Davis return, he relays his story to them. Cathcart writes off the creature as a bull moose and accu- accuses Simpson of hallucinating, while Davis and Punk deem it questionable. So Cathcart's just an asshole. Um, Davis and Punk are his true friends. Punk stays to watch the camp while the other three return to the lake in order to find Defago, who they assume to be deceased of exposure at this point. Remember, it's like super cold. Um, no good reason why his feet should have been hanging out of his tent. The three set up camp while Cathcart again tells the mystery, uh, tells the myth of the Wendigo. He interprets it as a fable used to explain cabin fever, but includes the detail that the Wendigo calls after its victims by name, causing them to run after it until their feet are burnt off by friction, at which point they sprout Wendigo feet. Davis grows concerned for his friend and begins calling his name repeatedly into the woods. Suddenly, the group hears a large whooshing sound as if a giant bird flew by, followed by the cries of Defago. After Davis calls out Defago's name again, they hear a large crash just outside of the camp. The group stares in horror as Defago stumbles towards them, noticeably changed. His movements are staggered and robot-like, like a marionette, and his face appears more beast than man. He reeks of the same scent the group had smelled earlier. Lion cages. Lion cages. Davis argued that this isn't Defago at all, while Cathcart demands an explanation of who this being is. In a raspy whisper, Defago claims that he's been with the Wendigo. Oof. Like, but that's all he says, though. Like, we didn't, we don't really know what he's been doing with the Wendigo. If they were just kind of like hanging out, just being friends, playing cards. They're having a good time. Smoking cigars, Running you know. Running around, burning their feet off. It doesn't say what he was doing with the Wendigo, but he was just, <laughs> he has been with the Wendigo. He's been with the Wendigo. <clears throat> Maybe not in that way, but oh. um, Davis cries out and points at Defago's transformed <laughs> feet. He's got Wendigo feet now. Suddenly, a wind gusts through the camp and Defago is jerked into the air as if by a wire disappearing into the woods. That reminded me of, um, have you seen that? There's a movie, I think it's called The Forgotten. Have you seen that? Uh, I don't think so. Boom, boom. Yeah, we have the windows open, um, so we're getting all of the, uh, all of the apartment complex noises. Um, let me see if I could find this clip, because... When I was doing my research and I got to that part... Um, With Julianne Moore? Yes. Um, 
it, it reminded me of that movie because I had seen this years ago. Um, and I thought of this scene that really stuck out to me. Here, I'll play it for you. She got freaking shot back. <laughs> I saw you jump. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but I, for whatever reason, I mean, it was it's a came out in two thousand four. I saw it when I was a wee lad. Um, a wee lad. And I thought that the whole movie was just involving people who like get sucked into the sky because it's it's an interesting um, sort of uh, plot in the movie uh, where these people are taken away from uh, unveiling the truth. Uh, but that's what it made me think of. Um, Defago, he's, he's jerked into the air as if by a wire and just disappears in the woods. They then hear him cry out again, my burning feet of fire. Uh, so his, his feet probably hurt. Um, Cathcart attempts to speak reason to Davis, who's hysterical at this point, while Simpson is agonized by a deep terror. When they finally arrive at the camp, they are shocked to find Defago. His feet are black with frostbite, and he desperately tries to warm them by the fire. He has lost memory and has gone hopelessly insane. The Wendigo robbed his soul from his body, and he only survives a few more weeks before he passes. Punk has returned home without telling the others... He just left. Wow. Uh, what like, a punk. Getting the hell out of here. You guys are crazy. Eventually stating he had left at the site of Defago, who at one point stumbled into the camp. So I guess while the group was out looking for him, Defago came back. He saw Punk. Punk was freaked the hell out. And then he just dipped. Um, so that's pretty much the summary of the story. Um, Defago dies. He was, I guess, possessed by the Wendigo. Um and again, the, the Wendigo that Blackwood describes is not the traditional one. No cannibalism at all. Um, Keller Meyer, who uh, submitted this summer, he gives a possible explanation about Blackwood's version of the Wendigo. He said it's a spirit which ins- inspires its victims to something far more spiritually poignant than, a ghoulish, than ghoulish cannibalism. To the surrender of all will, reason, and sense to a spirit of chaotic impulse and comic absurdity which defies the laws of terrestrial physics, rejects the logic of self-preservation, and embraces the empty, infinite space of raw, maddening nature. Ooh, that's spooky. Kellermeyer also provides his interpretation of how the adventurers became victims of the Wendigo. So, not not exactly um, being possessed, per se. He, he implied there might have been a different way, um, I guess, that these people ventured into the plane or existence of the Wendigo. Uh, when Defago and Simpson crossed from the campsite over to the lake when they were uh, riding down uh, in their canoe to the opposite shore, they are truly, they truly are passing from the realm of reason and intellect across the black waters of human con- unconsciousness to a vast impregnable region of human psychology, which, like the wilderness of Canada, is too vast to blaze and too illimitable to plume. The horror of the Wendigo is not that of a monster lurking outside which wishes to consume your blood. It's the horror of a monster lurking within with, with, which wishes to consume your reason and your will. Defago is sucked up into just a mania, which burns away his feet, his connection to earth and reality, drawing him irrecoverably up into the limitless cosmos above where he has lost all context of space and time. As a result, the shell of a man who returns to the camp is only the cast-off husk of Defago. You done? You done out there? <laughs> Are those leaves properly blown? There's literally nothing in the grass. I don't know what he's doing. Blowing away he's ants? He's just walking around with a leaf blower. He said I'm pretending to do my job. 
And then there's a garbage truck. I think opening the windows was a bad idea. It was. <laughs> um, as a result, the shell of a man who returns to the camp is only the cast-off husk of Defago. While the real Defago, the soul of the man, has been absorbed into the spirit of nature, sucked dry like a discarded shell, and spat back down to earth. Shitty. <laughs> <laughs> 